Hello and welcome to the World of Mouth podcast, where we share the stories of the world's best chefs and their favorite destinations to travel and eat. My name is Kenneth Nars and I'm the creative director of World of Mouth, a platform that connects over 600 restaurant experts who share their favorite restaurants from the best place to grab a slice of pizza or a hamburger to the latest must-visit new fine dining restaurant opening. Today we're meeting Chef Gagan Anand in restaurant Gagan in Bangkok, Thailand. Anand was born in Kolkata, India, and had planned to become a drummer in a rock band. After working with catering, he moved to Bangkok and focused on contemporary Indian cuisine. He was the first Indian chef to intern with Ferran Adria at restaurant El Bui. After opening Gagan in 2010, the restaurant has repeatedly been on the world's 50 best restaurant list. Gagan was also featured in the Netflix series Chef's Table. We meet Gagan at his Bangkok restaurant office that doubles as a drum studio. We ask Gagan to tell us a bit about himself and his ongoing journey that's made him the most famous Indian chef. At the end of our talk, he'll reveal his favorite restaurant recommendations in India and Bangkok and out in the world. You'll also find these places in our podcast notes. Tell me, uh, who is Gagan Anand? Well, Gagan Anand is a, is a very mysterious person. He's known for his mischief. He's known to have fun with food. He's known to create stories and most importantly a rebel who believes in what he does and doesn't and doesn't take a step back because he's come from something in his head that there's nothing to lose when you go forward. Uh, tell me uh, your background. We are now sitting at your office uh, upstairs from your restaurant in Bangkok, uh, Thailand. Uh, how did you get here and where did it all start? Uh, I landed uh, just for a consultant job here in 2007 and I never left and I think rest is history because from 2007 to 2009 I was trying to prove everyone that I'm not just an Indian chef in the city. I wanted to show that I am Indian of course but that leave my culture my race behind I want to be a chef who wants to run a standalone restaurant and prove that we always look at fine dining to be a Western concept and I wanted to make sure that Asia which is so rich in its culture has a fine dining restaurant that questions the world what is fine dining and that's what I did. Uh, if we go uh, even further back uh, to your childhood, your upbringing, where, where did you... Uh, I, I was born and brought up in Calcutta, a city which is very famous for its culture, for food, for street food. Colonial, very colonial in the thoughts, very uh, British in the names and yet uh, very Indian. And that made so many good changes in my bringing up for food because for example, India is so big and there are so many different geography and where I come from, they only eat river fishes. So in a way, I my palate became more about river and fishes in the pond than in from sea. And now I've in, I have inherited it by acquaintance to seafood. Secondly, 
the cuisine there is about using your tongue to taste sweetness bitterness sourness and saltiness separately where in india everything could be one bite but if you eat a very typical bengali meal you start with bitters and then you go to some acidic dishes and then you go to salty dishes spicy dishes then you have the sweet tooth and then your journey is built to a kind of a, a, a journey towards a destination in cuisine and bengali cuisine again from that part is again a much lighter version of indian food but my family comes from north india which is very about rich milk products a lot of lentils a lot of proteins so because of that and thirdly i did my hotel school from south of india which is completely different which is all these dry spices coconut and a lot of fermentation in rice and lentil to make breads and that created a very unique approach towards food and i think putting all that into my food and creating these memories and like you had this quail that was with 18 spices and i was not elevating the spices i was elevating the smoke the wood right which is such a hidden ingredient in cooking and how i took sandalwood and the smoke of sandalwood and kind of spiked the spices and that is only because of my years and way i've spent time in different parts of india and i think india is uh, is a way bigger than and i wanted to prove this that we were not one curry nation we were not a naan bread and samosas and chicken tikka masala and 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 i think we are way above and i've proven this and today you have so many other indian restaurants from all over the world who are getting michelin stars who are getting awards in 50 best and they're going to the james beard foundation and ranking high in america is because what we started here 10 years back it was just a dream now it's a reality and i think that's my biggest accomplishment uh, your way into the restaurant business how when when was that decision when did you decide on that or was it the decision i think uh i was in fmb but i still remember when i was 16 year old and 15 year old i was helping my mom to cook food from home and sell for livelihood which today is a kind of livelihood for a lot of street food and i i wish my mom would have been a uh uh a, a food truck owner and we would have made so much of better livelihood but that's how i learned and i remember we opened a business in catering and she would cook things that are homely and she would sell to families on their birthday parties but she never commercialized it so i think that made me as a her helper as her sous chef in the house and i think that is what taught me how to take keep people with with the home and the warmth whenever people come to my my restaurants i always tell them invite them as if they are coming to your home don't behave like an fmb don't behave like a hospitality they teach you wrong in hospitality in hospitality they just teach you mannerism and book and knowledge but in homes we learn it hospitality is our 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 not our art but is our religion and that's what i always practice in my restaurant
Um, there's been quite many big uh, steps, milestones in your uh, actually quite brief restaurant career. It's not more than even 20 years old. Um, which was, I mean, if you mention two or three of those, what uh, it's been like 50 best, it's been Netflix and so, what, what impact have these I had? think the first time in 50 best, that was like delivering your first child. My first moment was when I met Farhan Adhiya in Alicia Foundation and I still remember he was wearing a, a maroon corduroy Lacoste pants. I can tell Farhan would not remember. I remember. It was February 2010. He walked past his glass to the Alicia Foundation in Manresa and I saw him as a Pope walking next to me. And he straight came to me. He didn't say hi and hello to anyone. He was wondering why this Indian guy is in my labs. And I said, I'm from India. And he said, wow, Indos. I said, yeah, oh, fantastic. And those words were great. That that, that was a very memorable moment which I'll never forget. Two, when I picked up knife for the first time, this was when I was 20 year old, 19 something. I was in my first day of my hotel school. I remember the menu, it was cooking beef. And we in India are not told how to cook beef. It's not in our religion. We have never, I've never seen a beef steak. So we saw this beef tenderloin and we were supposed to cut a 150 gram proper steak and just sear it and make a brown sauce and make a bread roll and glazed carrots and some green peas and some turned potatoes. And that menu, the way I cooked it, because I followed what my chef instructor told me to do. And then we did it. And when my chef inspector, I still remember the scene, he was about six meters on my left came to me and said you will become a big chef a great chef and he told all that look he's the only guy who's following the deglazing of the pran to put the demi-glaze with the deglazed sauces of the beef so i was like okay i just followed that day those words became like okay my commandments in my head that i can be a good chef and where which school was this it's in hotel Marmon in kerala in kovalam okay. yeah and and two that was the one big change where I became a chef. When I believed I could become a chef. When I met Fran Adria, after that initial brief hello and hi, he called Pera Castellas and I remember another translator and both of them came and he said, tell him, tell Gagan that when he goes back from here, he blows this seeds that we are planting in him now to find modern gastronomy trees in Asia and what did I do? I did exactly that and that's why whenever I meet him it's a very when the room gets quiet the, our energy is in a different level because if you look at Rene and Grant Akeds are the two most prominent people apart from Aduni Ogurits from Mugurits who came out of that school and did very well so I was the end of the era and I was the only Asian who could come back and do it. And I think that was the reason why I became so successful in Asia. Because our people would initially say, okay, he's a copycat, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I copycat. But anybody who's a French who makes a baguette 
Is he a copycat? Yeah, sort of. Yeah. So is that person a puppet? A person who serves a butter and olive oil and is a copycat? So I'm not trying to. That was my pope. That was my religion. So what I did, and yes, when I became number one in Asia for the first time. So these are three monumental moments: 2015, 2010, and 2000. Nine, no, 1997. Sorry, 97. 97. These dates will always be with my grave because. In when I became first time in Asia, and this time when I was in Asia, pretty best. You are number five. It's like a big comeback. Open only eight months. Number five. Blah blah. I, all great. People were wow, wow, wow. But I had no. I had great emotions, but I didn't have that excitement that when I was number one. That excitement, I think, is like delivering your first child. So mm-hmm. that excitement, the nervous, the anxietyness, all that was part of this three moments of my life. One where I started gastronomy, one my gastronomy changed, and one when I was awarded for all that I did thing, all the wrong things that I did right. What about uh, people would actually many people actually would uh, still know you from from television from Netflix? Uh, was that uh, did it have a big impact on you or only on the rest? It did had a very big impact on me because in 2016 I understood fame. I suddenly I understood that I'm walking in the middle of Soho in New York and suddenly somebody said, "Hey, you are the Indian chef. Bro, I'm proud of you." Or I'm in 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 Finland or in Sweden and somebody said, "Hey, can I take a photo with you?" Or if I am in Brazil and the immigration officer says, "Oh, where are you from?" "Oh, wait. Hey, you are the chef. I watch you on Netflix." The immigration officer that really makes me feel, "Do I change?" and today's world is we live two worlds one for social media one our real life i live one world i don't edit i don't write i i don't plan i am myself combine all of it real i'm real and i'm honest to myself and that path maybe people will follow me or lose me in that path people think i'm good or bad let them decide but for me i just want to be myself and i'm proud of being myself um as i said we're now sitting in your in the upstairs of your restaurant and um, your restaurant gagan is a very personal experience absolutely uh, for someone who hasn't been here how would you try to describe what it is like having a meal here i have put 25 years of my cooking and i've put my rock and roll into food so you can see this drum set here there's a drum set here yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah this is this is me as a rock and uh, my office is look at this is a it's it's like a it's, a, it's like a, a a small attic where people practice like a garage brand and that's what i've done and this is my i mean this is what translates the rock and roll in me the i would say a part of me is like a a frontman of a great band and i lead the band in that way so being a frontman i take responsibility of all the wrongs and all the offense we cause in our show because that is we make food provocative but the most important thing is memory and the taste and for one person like a person like you or someone who's traveled and today people are traveling the world just for food and in that world that we live today I want one experience to be very personal. 
and that's what I achieve. I don't overdo it. I don't. I could have your name. I could stalk you on Facebook and Instagram and prepare. I don't do all that. That is like. Then you're not doing. Then you're not showing what you can do. You're trying to impress. I don't impress. I do what I do the best. I play my songs. I play my music. I don't care if you like Foo Fighters or not. I just fucking don't care. And here we are. So you enjoy our show and take back a good memory, a bad memory. That's for you to judge. But at least now, what I'm doing with this very small, intimate table is I'm being me. All these years, I was being others. What others wanted to be. Now I'm being myself. The food, uh, which actually is accompanied by many other impressions, like very much music. Yeah. Um, could you tell a bit about the food, the dishes, and your thoughts on the dishes that you? I mean, eat? because I started as a musician, I write food as an album. I'm sending a message, and I'm a very serious fan of. That's why I got the word progressive in food. Today you have so many restaurants called progressive. I mean. 11, 12 years back, nobody thought about in 2010 that progressive would be a word of a restaurant. And when I put that progressive Indian cuisine, I just copied the word progressive rock from Pink Floyd. And when you listen to The Wall, and that's one of my most inspirational album, is about taking a topic and how you're taking human emotions and spinning it across for a two-hour journey. And that's exactly what I do. I take your emotions, I take your expectations. I know you come to judge me, and I am giving you back all that you wanted, plus multiply it in ten times x because that is the emotion I make you. I don't allow you to zero to your phone. I just take you. I don't allow you your me time, and that's why we call it the shit show and no. Fine dining because in fine dining you have me time, you have the champagne being poured, you have the sauce from the right and left. All the services are not applicable here because we are anti fine dining. And if you look at punk rock, the era that you and I might have grown up with, punk rock was all about this: destroying the fucking drum set, throwing the rag, everything breaking through. It was all about being a rebel. And I just do that in a very provocative way, and there's a thin line. In the end, it has to be the food. The taste of food is very important. The word of mouth has to happen. In the next part of the podcast, we'll hear Gagan announce favorite restaurant recommendations in Bangkok, India, and the rest of the world. We could talk for hours and days about your restaurant and your thoughts and philosophy around food, but we'll have to continue. Uh, as we are sitting in Bangkok, uh, restaurants, you are a kind of a traveler as well. Yes. Um, in here in Bangkok, uh, favorite places that you would send people that come into your door? I, I must say there are four things. First, you must the Thailand that was 15 years back and now it's completely different Thailand. Uh, they are very good established street food places where you can still get a great meal in three dollars. So I definitely say, and I, I I cannot pinpoint these street foods, but I always say, uh, Autokor Market is great, and uh, like we went to the night market in Hokkenkwa, uh, that is great night market. No tourists, very local. The taste is not touristic. There's not sh- when I say touristic, more sugar added to the food and less 
eat and uh, I love a lot of simple Thai restaurants one of my favorite restaurants is Kruakling Paksot which is a southern Thai restaurant that opened 10 years back and I always recommend in the guides um, house recipes being done and now we have southern Thai in fine dining but 10 years back that was a restaurant so I still think that is great and of course you know the restaurants that you are now visiting also so these are popular restaurants about fine dining but I still think in Bangkok it's hard to get a bad meal that's true it's hard to get a bad meal. Yeah. You will get a very bad meal in London, a very bad meal in New York, and a very bad meal in Paris. But in Bangkok, it is hard to get bad meal. Yeah. You can go to a convenience store and still the food is good. That's 60 baht in a microwave oven. So I still think that Thailand is very good for you to go to the markets. We have proper food in street food now, which is more recognized and more cleaner looking and I think one of my recommendations is always is not to go to the tourist traps the and how, how do you avoid them uh, try not going there just go to the I have my journey which I have been in any part of the world and that's how when I started to the I saw where the menu was not English and there was no foreigner there locals queued and I started the queue I didn't know whether I was having a whale meat or a chicken or a, I didn't know where I would end up and to be honest, I ended up in Vietnam and I did that and I ended up with a dog bo dog soup bowl and I was so, I, I have my dogs, I feel so bad about it. I could have only, because she didn't tell me what it was, but that was adventure of eating, right? But now we are more, you know, okay, fuck, we have Google Translate, you can translate and still, so Google Translate was not there in 2011 where I was eating a dog bowl of a soup, which I didn't know was a fucking dog bowl, but I took like five, I said, what does this mean? This meat doesn't, as a chef, I don't know what this meat is. And I said, oh, fuck, that's dog meat. I got so angry. But, you know, sometimes you learn with this kind of fuck-ups. So I think eating should not be planned, but an adventure. And sometimes it's great to know those famous places, but the biggest adventure is when the fuck-up starts. What about um, any uh, uh, among the like mid-range or like safe places, uh, touristic or not, which uh, any names that you would send people here in, in, in Bangkok? Safe places. I know, J5, busy, so difficult, but her food is great. So it's safe. Yeah. Uh, or safe beds. Yeah, safe bed, a super safe bed. I mean, if you can manage a table. But she's already a legend. So there is another place uh, which I like is uh, uh, Somtam, Isan, and I like here right next to my restaurant, which I took you also in yeah. Bani San Wong. I love that place. It's really where I go and eat a lot. Kua King Pakso for Southern Thai food. I'm giving you Thai recommendations. I love one thing, but I do not guarantee the consistency. But there's an Indian brand called Sarvana Bhavan which is vegetarian, so it's in Garda East in Paris, it's in Garda North or Garda East, one of the places. It is in New York in two, in Lexington and there is in the other Upper West. There are branches all over in the world and there's one in Bangkok and I eat there once a week. I love that, Savanabhavan. So I love Savanabhavan, it's vegetarian dosa place. 
It's a secret. I don't post much about it, but I eat there. These are the places where I eat. I also, I'm, I'm, I, I might feel wrong, but one of my favorites is Le Cabernet. It's a French restaurant here. Very expensive, but there is no difference of eating here or sitting in, in Brittany or Normandy in the fanciest seafood restaurant and shucking open the oysters and eating some asparagus with a artichoke just steam and they have some Thai seafood sauce it's one of my favorite restaurants I keep posting on my stories like I go there so often just eat a nice tubo or a nice fish with just olive oil and lime and salt and I think that is my my heaven so this is my contrast my favorite Italian restaurant and I go there and they know what I eat for last 15 years is Gianni chef Gianni he has a very good restaurant here I always he's underrated but I think I always go and eat the salt big sea bus the Mediterranean sea bus he does he does this pasta with olio and alio Thai style which is and these are the artichoke salad or something on the season salad three things I don't go and order he sees me he knows what he's serving so these are my staples Italian and Gianni French and Le Cabernet in uh, and I have other French restaurants which I should be naming which I'm a part owner, but I won't name them because I don't go there. Okay. I make money there. Yeah. Yeah. This is where I go and eat. So Thai food I eat in this. Uh, this is how I do. But then I eat a lot in my home. I cook myself a lot. Sushi Masato. Mm. Okay. In this street. Very good. I have one Michelin star down Omakase on top. I love the a la carte menu, which not many people go up. So. I use my contacts. I go sushi Masato for Japanese sushi, and there's a restaurant called Izaki. It's a Japanese-run izakaya with everything coming from Japan. These are my few restaurants. Okay. Uh, any uh, restaurants outside of Bangkok, Europe, US, uh, somewhere else? You know, I actually I'm 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 kind of. I'm, I'm apologizing and kind of confessing that I should have been posting more on uh, word of mouth but I, I always say that I travel a lot I I have my lot of places that I go I I Google map them and I think you will see them more uploaded I'll remind myself now ten times more that if now I'm supposed to go to Valencia which a lot of people are going I'm going to London and I'm going to Normandy and Paris so in Normandy and Paris wherever I eat I will update myself and I'll try to update things from the past but yes I first thing when I travel in, like Normandy is because of Lake Abenau because I eat in Lake Abenau my girlfriend is a pescatarian we both love lactose intolerant pescatarian so we love our seafood and fish I said okay what about having summer do we go to uh Topez or we go to Ibiza or we go to Scandinavia I said what about Brittany what about Normandy so we are staying in a good relish chateau and we have planned all our meals in the famous seafood restaurants just a piece of fish some lime some olive oil and the only thing I'll carry and be offensive is some chilies in my pocket <laughs> <laughs> okay Uh, anything else in the big cities, London, Copenhagen, New York? Uh, New York New York is a big map for me. I stayed there in COVID times. So I love my coffee places. I used to eat uh, amazing. Uh, I like Cosme for the vibes. Uh, I love Cosme. I love uh, the White House. Uh, One Mission is a great restaurant. Uh, I like Frenchette. 
it's like a home for me Jorge and all these guys I like uh, I like eating in uh, small Japanese restaurants you discover I loved sweet greens for somehow the most I know it's scalable but it's better than burgers and fried chicken sweet greens make your bowl eat the greens and they're sweet as healthy and I love sweet greens I used to eat a lot in sweet greens I also in New York there are many farmers market but for me Union Square market itself is a destination you can see artisanal products there you can buy cheese and bread and eat right there um, Brooklyn is amazing I have great restaurants in Brooklyn there was this uh, Moroccan Tunisian restaurant there I love her food was amazing got the name and of course uh, New York is all about discovering something new you know I love Thai food and fish cheeks great restaurant Thai food fish cheeks and, and all these memories are coming back I would uh, it was this place I would just JG melon for very drunk midnight carry your cash only burgers JG melon Upper East Side okay fucking amazing but cash only doesn't take card full scam but uh, institution itself and when you're drunk is the best burger place okay yeah great um, anything London or uh, Paris or Europe one place one more place okay let me give you some places in uh, my favorite is uh, in uh, in uh, Seattle there's a sushi place uh, I used to I love that place it's, it's a woman who cooks sushi and she is uh, I I and uh, she her, her her sushi is so good. It's called Mashiko. Okay. M A S H I K O Mashiko, yeah. woman who took over from her ex Japanese boss the restaurant and run it and amazing sushi, completely sustainable and a woman cooking sushi and you would not know the difference. Is it omakase or is it like a, a la carte? A la carte. Okay. She made amazing, really good Japanese food. Uh, Mashiko is good. Uh, I love recommending restaurants in Japan because Japan is like my second home. So, Japan, Singapore, Asia, I love Japan. So, in Fukuoka, there are very good restaurants. I love Fukuoka, which is uh, one of the restaurants called Mikan. is a izakaya with a, Mikan as a fruit and natural wines and amazing. And every time I go there, I will find a Radicon or a Granova or some really crazy wine that is kept for me and name because he knows I want to spend money on the wine. And, I will only spend money in his restaurant and Nikan, great izakaya. Um, and Fukuoka is like my second home, you know, I have a restaurant there. In Singapore, I have this seafood place, it's called Yangming Seafood. Yeah. Yangming Seafood, in, amazing. Hidden in Bishan, great place. They have this really good seafood. Apart from those people who keep posting on those famous places in Singapore, go here for good seafood. Chili crab? Chili crab and the the best is this pork uh, uh, the kid the, the pork uh, belly stomach being stuffed with chicken Ooh. in a soup it's so crazy like it reminds you of that you're having in a in a, in a, in a, in a French restaurant you know but it's Chinese so it's incredible incredible and um, uh, there's one Japanese Kaizaki very hidden in Sentosa uh, Kim, Kim, Kimura so very good He's really good. He's really good. Ten seat only. Hard to book, but very. He spent 
a lot of time. He's from Kyushu, from Fukuoka, and he spent a lot of time in China. So he's he mixes Cantonese style of food into Japanese rice. Okay, very interesting. Good. I uh, we could continue on it. Be happy to hear more. Uh, you uh, you can put them in the guide. I will definitely uh, put them. But in the guide. you have a service coming up. Uh, Gagan, uh, one more question. Uh, if you tomorrow could step on a plane and uh, have a dinner tomorrow anywhere in the world, which restaurant would that be? I'll go to my own hometown in Calcutta and go and eat street food that I would enjoy with my mom. I used to love eating with her. I, she's no more. But uh, our memories in is in that food. So when I'll eat, I'll remember her. And if I have a chance to go back, I will always go back to my hometown, to Calcutta, to eat that one stretch of 35 to 40 square, uh, for, sorry, 35 to 40 uh, uh, meter long stretch of only small shacks. And that is where food becomes heaven for me. That's a beautiful choice. Thank you so much, Kagan. Thanks, Kagan. Uh, Thank you. With everything. Pleasure. Thank, Thank you, sir. You. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Wall of Mouth podcast with Gagan Anand in Bangkok, Thailand. Find all of the recommendations mentioned in this episode and more on the Wall of Mouth app, available in your app store, or visit our website at worldofmouth.app. You'll also find these places in our podcast notes. I'm Kenneth Nars. Until next week, when we meet Chef Jorge Vallejo in Mexico City.